is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Welcome to Faith Revisited with Ben and Molly. We are here this week with a lot of exciting updates and things going on, um, but thank you so much for joining us and listening today. Yeah, it's kind of that weird time of the year. It's mid-July uh, when we're recording this, and uh, in, in many ways, this is a great time. I've learned in 10 years of ministry, this is kind of a great time to be reflective and to be plan- in a planning mode uh, because a lot of uh, active ministries are sort of taking a break in July uh, for summer break, and then obviously we're still in the middle of this um, global pandemic, and so ministries in general have sort of been in flux for the last few months. So yes, exciting kind of talk about some things that we're sort of looking at toward uh, moving toward in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple administrative notes for us that are really exciting before our main topic of this podcast episode is going to be talking about a book that we have just read that we mm-hmm. loved, and that's what we want to share with you. But in the meantime, um, really exciting news is we have a brand new church website, and it looks awesome, if I do say so myself. I did do that website. I, I was going to say, to go yeah. ahead and toot your I horn, did, toot toot. I did it all. Um, it looks mm. so great. There's new photography on there and just concise information. And I would head on over to trinity1848.org if you want to check it out. Um, we do use um, Subsplash, which is a website platform that also allows you to have a mobile app. So that's the next phase of this process. And the reason why, Ben, you picked this platform originally was because it has has a seamless mobile app capability, and that's a lot of kind of what you want to focus on. Yeah, so for pastors who might be looking at uh, making some changes, um, one is, yes, and we'll put in the show notes a link to our website, and I wish we could almost put a side-by-side of the website that I sort of had been sloppily putting together, and then the one that you just, I mean, it is so good-looking. Um but yeah, go check out our website. Um, people ask me why Subsplash, especially a lot of pastor friends. We got into the site Clover, and, I, and I'm not going to bash Clover at all. They're a wonderful site, great customer service. I enjoyed using them for over five years. Um, the difference was the app. So, so it really came down to uh, Clover uses a third party, which a lot of uh, websites do, a third party um, app system. So it's like an app within an app. And that was just one too many steps for me. I wanted a very easy to use, customized, customizable too, um, app that sits right there on your phone. So Subsplash does cost a little more. Uh, we pay about $100 a month. And really, we got it. We're paying the rate for the app, and the website came free. So, But, but the beauty is you can populate the app from the website. So there, yeah. it just makes it easier to load up information and stuff. Yeah, and that's something that 
we surveyed, you surveyed the members and mm -hmm. that was something that was interesting to them. And a lot of this talks of the purpose of the app is to get in front of people's hands, not just scheduling and meetings and announcements because the push notifications are something that you're most excited about, mm -hmm. but also have at their hand discipleship and materials and readings and scripture and um, just lessons and ways that they can better become disciples. Well, and, and interestingly enough, and, and this was dumb luck, I think on my part, not that a pandemic's lucky at all, but we sort of began this at the beginning of the year, just to say, what's the next thing? And we, we polled people, and, and one of the things we got people of all ages, um, and, and really some of the strongest push from um, older adults who said, I do everything on my iPad now. Please don't give me any more paper. I read everything on there. And then younger adults who said, please stop emailing me. I don't check my email, yeah. but I will answer a text or a push notification. So I said, okay, we're talking about an app now. If yeah. we can have an app that can house everything in one place, um, a one-stop shop, both for news and for spiritual growth content, there it is. We started this in January, February. We had no idea that the life of the church would be pushed online. Mm -hmm by mid-March. And so now the app is becoming not just a cool novelty, but it's really becoming, an, it's going to become an essential way of life because this is going to be how we do a lot of spiritual growth content and, and keep people engaged to grow in their discipleship because we're not reopening our building. We've sort of softly said we need to see declining new cases for two straight weeks in Savannah. That's CDC guidelines. We're surging in Savannah. We're seeing hundreds of new cases daily, so. And our members are not interested in coming back anytime soon, so no. go where they are, you know? Yeah, we've polled members uh, before this sort of midsummer surge happened, and no one was in a rush to come back. And so now we're just saying, okay, we got we to gotta deliver uh, quality, um, enriching online spiritual growth content for, for folks to engage with, so the app's going to do that. Yeah, we'll put in the show notes to the subsplash.com for people who might want to check out their service. Absolutely. Um, and I was saying, I think a couple weeks ago or something now that I, we've been improving our live stream. It's great that everyone shows up on Sunday mornings or continuing throughout the week, but um, this app is also a really good segue into the book that we just finished. Um, it's called From Social Media to Social Ministry by Nona Jones. And she basically talks about how you have to move I don't know. I, now I'm like, all these thoughts are going in my head because of the segue, but she said you can move everything online. It basically talks about online ministry. And yeah. now that we're not able to be in person together, um, this book was incredibly eye-opening and um, there's just a world of possibility. So why don't you give a little background on what her concepts are? Yeah, so let's begin with with some most common mistakes that churches make with social media. And this is churches everywhere. We are included in this, by the way. I mean, I, I, I was notorious for this. I only got better because I think about a year and a half ago, you helped me <laughs> sort of understand how to better utilize social media in an engaging way yeah. versus just vomiting content out there. Yeah. yeah. So too often churches use social media as a digital billboard. Come see this. Come see this. Reminders about this. On Sunday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, see you on Sunday. And those are fine. But, but, but when you're, when your social media pages are just a digital billboard, they quickly become white noise. That information becomes white noise. It's just like driving down the road. And when it's the same road all the time, you're going to stop noticing that billboard on the side yeah. of the road. 
And so churches have to find ways to move beyond just dumping announcements and news out there trying to get you to come to a building, but they need to find ways to use their social media pages to be engaging. Mm -hmm. to get you to do something on your end. Um, and this could be done in fun ways. Like uh, you did one uh, uh, last week that uh, that people had a lot of fun with, like what's your favorite hymn in, in the United Methodist Hymnal? And we got loads of comments. Yeah, a ton um, of comments. Um, and yeah. even fun ones, like where's the best place to get tacos in town on a taco yeah. day? Just anything to enlist like conversation and people responding. Yeah, and so uh, a couple things on that, and you say, well, why, why Taco Tuesday? Well, okay, number one, you're pointing people's focus beyond just your church, which you need to do. You're looking outward toward the community. Number two, selfishly, the more comments you get, the more traction your page gets. The more traction your page gets, the more people are going to see what's out there. Facebook has a weird way of creating algorithms where basically – your page can can have such little traction that it gets fewer and fewer uh, looks from yep. people. It shows up in fewer news feeds. And so you have to create the traction. Mm -hmm. This is why on Sundays, and folks are still doing a good job of this, um, I encourage people, if you're watching online, talk through the whole service. Talk through my whole sermon. I don't care because the more comments you put on that page, the more people are going to see that page after the yeah, service. Comment, is share it. Like all of that stuff is all great. the stuff. Yeah. So you're, you're helping people create traction and that traction is, is going to engage them. Um, so yeah, that's a common mistake. The, the, the billboard becoming the white noise churches need to do more than just dump, uh, news and information out there. Um, Another thing is that churches just don't really engage social media in a way that recognizes it's not a tool that you use. It's a place where you meet people. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's social right. media is where people are. Yeah. And, and it's with people. Yeah. And, and so, so often churches, you, you think it's a tool to mm -hmm. get people to come to the building. How can we use this to make this happen? And that's not the purpose of social media. Y'all it's, it's really, how can we, see this place as somewhere to go meet people and yeah. be with people. And, and what's really neat is um, we've had church members who moved away um, years ago who have now rejoined our live stream service because they found us again. Yeah. Um, children of church members, former church members who grew up, went to college 20 years ago are watching again. Wow. And so it's creating an atmosphere where people from all over beyond Savannah feel comfortable now um, meeting. We had a, a person from Atlanta, which isn't too far away, but it's still Atlanta. I always check with uh, people that are new that I don't recognize that make comments to say, well, what connection do they have? Who are the mutual friends kind of yeah. thing? This person had no mutual friends in the church. Somewhere along the way, some connection brought her to us. Mm -hmm. She's been visiting. She's been giving. She's been engaging. Yeah. So this is what I was saying. So our online presence, because of our live stream, has been growing, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And probably every church out there, you're seeing similar results just because people are starting to share it. So one thing that our live stream's been improving, but I've been feeling kind of stuck at the church, like, well, what do we do now? You know, we mm -hmm. can get great cameras. We can, you know, find <clears throat> sound and get better camera angles and but it's not doing anything deeper in someone's life. So that's where I've been like, oh, it just kind of stuck. And there's something else we can do. And there's something we're missing. There's so many more people tuning in, whether it be on Sunday, 
from around the country. My parents are now like avid Trinity worship attenders online and they're in California. And they get so, up early to, to join us for worship. It's amazing. So I want to capture all of this in the sense of community and being disciples of Jesus, which is the purpose of our church is to make disciples. How do we further engage these people? And that's what this book kind of hit home is you create a place virtually that people can have those conversations and discussions. And, um, and she talks about, which I completely agree with, it happens in a Facebook group. In her book, she lists through all the different social media platforms, the best places and ways to use them and kind of how they're utilized and their specialties. Um, and then she says, you know, I think the whole second half of the book is Facebook group picture it like an online church. Like it is an online campus and this is how you utilize it. And she got very granular into details of here's a sample schedule of what you should be posting multiple yeah. times a day and having an online campus pastor and a community manager. And, you know, these are all things you'll learn. I, we highly recommend reading this book because it just sparked a lot for us, but this is the way to get these people fully engaged. If you can't physically be near the people in your church, this is the next best option. Yeah. Yeah, and so full disclosure, uh, Nona Jones is brilliant. The book is amazing. Um, she she does work for Facebook as their consultant for like faith communities and kind mm -hmm. of things. So it it would make sense that that she would help you know push the Facebook platform, but she's also helped shape it. Yes. So the fact that it works so well is because she has helped create a platform that works better than other platforms. There's a great breakdown that she does. We don't have to go into depth here, but how she sort of talks about each social media platform or the major ones and um, whether or not they are just good for dispensing content or whether they're good for doing content and engagement or whether they're good for just engagement. And so Facebook has this way of, because um, it's a very broad platform, it, it, it can do both uh, content, um, disposing content, and it can um, uh, cultivate engagement. And so she says, essentially, create a Facebook group that is your online campus. Yeah. The group would have access to your weekly worship, your live stream, or your premiere videos, however you do it. Um, and so everyone can worship together. Now, for us, it, it means that literally everyone's online now. But but there will be a day, hopefully soon, that will be both in person <laughs> and trust. online. Yeah. But the idea being that, that too many churches, I think, are going to make a mistake that they got something online up and running and maybe even better than they thought it was. But then the moment that people are back in person, they, they, they're going to go backwards and things are going to go back to the way it was. And they're going to lose that online connection. So our goal is to eventually bring people back when it's safe in person, but to also grow an online system of doing ministry that, that now can come alongside the in-person side. And so rather than spending thousands on launching a campus across town, we're looking at um, launching an online campus. If we're next to nothing, I mean, think yeah, of cost building nothing. costs and expenses and all that stuff when you actually make another campus, but this is an online one. And another vote for Facebook um, that I agree with is you go where the people go. It's mm -hmm. a multi-generational platform. That is where most of the people are. There's no other community you can build that will have that kind of engagement and searchability and where the people are. There's just nothing else like it on the internet right now. Um, and so go where the people go. 
a lot of people have experience in Facebook and know how to use it. So it's not a foreign platform and you know, it, it just, it all makes sense. And so it's exciting. Well, and one thing that I've thought about too, um, that, that can be key looking ahead. So if you look at generational breakdown, the, uh, I'm, I'm literally the generation Facebook was created for. Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg and I are similar ages. He created when he was at Harvard. I was in college. Once upon a time, Facebook, <laughs> no, I wasn't at Harvard. I was at a very different college. But, yeah. but once upon a time, when it branched beyond Harvard, Facebook was just for college students. Yeah. It was the thing for college kids. And so I had it as a college account before it went totally public. Um, and so if you think, like I'm 37, um, so you're looking at between 35 and 40 are like the original Facebook mm -hmm. users. And even those of us who like now, because we're near 40, we quote unquote, we hate it. We still use it. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. We use it. Mm -hmm. um, and then moving on up in age, you know, boomers use it. Grandparents are, are older adults are, are pretty uh, good at it. It, you know, because the grandchildren have taught them how yeah. to use it. And that's how they keep up with grandkids. That. Yeah. And that's how they keep up with grandkids and pictures and stuff. And so never doubt an older adult's ability to use Facebook unless they've chosen not to use it because they can dang sure use it. People younger than me like you use Facebook. It may not be your primary or your favorite social media site, but you use it for no other reason than for business purposes. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you go much younger, um, you know, there is growing evidence that Facebook is becoming passe, but look, probably the next most popular uh, social media platform is what? What would you say? Well, I mean, are you referring to like TikTok or? No, no, no. We're like younger, like if you're early 20s, what, what outside of Facebook, what, what's the favorite platform for social media? YouTube. Well, YouTube, but so um, Instagram is where I'm looking. Instagram. Oh, yeah. But that's, so, I mean, it's not a place, Instagram is not a place where you can build a community and converse. It's not, but who owns Instagram? Facebook. And so you can yeah. easily, if you create a Facebook community, you can put an Instagram element yeah. onto it. Well, seamlessly. likely everyone has a Facebook account anyway, whether they utilize it frequently or not. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, they're going to be on the platform. And that's why, I mean, her book just makes so much sense. It's the only place right now where you pretty much have everyone in one place. Yeah, you do. And, and so there's different, you want to talk about like different things that we were imagining uh, doing with the campus to engage yeah. it. I mean, we've got ideas sort of going everywhere. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's important when you set up your Facebook group and I forget the exact language now of how she used it, but you have to educational or learning. Yeah. Educational yeah. group. So don't choose religious group, choose like an educational yeah. something because you can, you can access a tool called learning modules. Uh huh. And those learning modules are where you just have this unlimited ability to upload small group studies, discussions, curriculums, curriculum, yeah. tape Zoom uh, meetings. I mean, you can just load stuff up in those learning modules and then invite people online to engage them however you want. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, so one, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one of the keys is that she talked about you have to, you can't create this place and then forget about it. You really need right. to put in the time and the planning to have it be a success. She gives a whole like 90 day launch plan. But even after you do launch and have these modules up, you need to have a game plan for it and, yeah. you know, post regularly. And that means multiple times a day. So this is something that you do need to really get your hands in or have someone who's very active and ready to help. Yeah. And, and, and so like, for example, one of the things that we were talking about last night um, is, is, you know, 
why not do like, oh, here's four weeks on what it means to be a Methodist. And, you know, because that, and that came, the idea came from, I had a conversation with um, a couple who wants to join our church. They've been, yeah. they were coming before the pandemic and they've, they've hardly missed a Sunday online, very active, all that kind of stuff. So they want to join the church. Well, she was raised in Disciples of Christ. He was raised Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. So they know very little about what it yeah. means to be Methodist. Uh, so we talked about some of that, but I thought, well, you know, it'd be helpful to like do like a four-part series on like the history and theology and, yeah. you know, practices. Well, I haven't of, learned about it since confirmation. Right, right. Oh, sixth, seventh grade. So, so the, here's a simple idea, um, because you don't want to, you know, people are going back to work. They're not, we're not all on quarantine, you know, doing webinars every day anymore. So, the idea that I just threw out was a four-part series on what it means to be Methodist. Here's a date that we're scheduling a Zoom meeting to discuss the four parts. Sign up for the study. It's asynchronous. You you go through each of the set the four sessions at your, mm-hmm. at your pace, and then on this day we we gather in Zoom and we have discussion and questions. Yep. Well, that's simply a four-week study that we just designed. I mean, other than the content itself, it's a fairly easy thing to access. And by the way, for those of us who, who you know, it can become a grind. I mean, let's be honest, we love doing Bible studies, but every Thursday morning, every Sunday morning, every Tuesday night. Plus, I don't like commitment like that. So I right, like I don't every think, once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't think everybody, I don't think hardly anyone does. And so rather than that, that time and date and place, here, produce five sessions, eight sessions, 10 sessions, you know, walk yourself through them. Here's my email. If you have questions along the way, and then here's a zoom call or two zoom calls to sort of wrap up and, and kind of absorb it all together. So doing that helps you set your pace at learning, but then it also puts you in a group environment where and I hadn't thought this through yet, but like how could something then launch out of that group? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing she mentioned in the book is uh, having Monday be a follow-up to the sermon on Sunday. Um, how pastors sometimes are like, well, did that message land? Does anyone have questions? There's not really an avenue for people to ask questions or to continue and talk about it after the preacher got down from the pulpit that he was preaching. So um, Mondays could be a great time to do kind of a live that evening and just have some interaction with the online campus and ask questions and kind of get discussion going and see how people were feeling or, you know, if any points stood out to them. And at first that may really have to be something led by the pastor because it's something that you're going to have to kind of egg people on to like, do you remember what I said yesterday? And because that may not be the culture now. So people aren't used to having follow-up conversations on a sermon from Sunday, but that's a really great point that diving deeper into the scripture lesson and the sermon and some key points would be hugely beneficial for everyone. Yeah, and I think this would also help pastors, I think, in their sermon preparation. So the idea that I had when I heard her say that is a lot of people don't remember what I said by Monday morning, period. Um, There's something about that Sunday afternoon nap that that you just, everything kind of just leaves. And so for pastors, maybe part of the sermon prep needs to be to develop a simple study guide, which by the way, would help you organize your thoughts better. And then you publish the study guide, say Sunday evening. Here's the study guide from today's sermon. The Zoom call is going to be or the live session is going to be Monday at such and such between now and then, you know, go through these questions, see if you have questions and join us for a follow-up. 
absolutely. Um, some type of outline. I think that'd be great. And then you really know, I mean, you're being more intentional about when you're writing the sermon also. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done that, you know, before, but I imagine if you know where your congregation's head is at, it will hopefully be easier for you to shape sermon messages and um, to plan different, you know. Well, it'll make you a better communicator, and here's why. So often, and pastors don't want to admit this, but this is how it, it can easily happen. We treat the sermon, I mean, we say we want it to change your life and inspire and yada, 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 but the truth is we write in a way or we prepare in a way that just says, I'm going to dump all this information out there, and I'm going to hope that you absorb something. Yeah. Whereas if you have in your mind not just the moment of preaching, but also that moment of teaching the next day, now you're you're gearing your sermon in a way that says not just dump it and hope people absorb it, but how can I how can I really guide people into learning and absorbing yeah. through this follow-up? You're gonna be a better preacher because of that. Yeah, well, and you're making disciples because they're actually listening to what you have to say and yeah. you know, thinking about it and discussing it. So that's really great. Are there any other points? Um, the book is called From Social Media to Social Ministry by Nona Jones. It really got Ben and I's brains thinking and brainstorming and planning. And he went ahead and made an online campus. That's We have some work to do in it. But um, it's very exciting to know that there is growth that's going to come out of all of this virtual learning and um, online worship, that there is a path forward and a real connection to be made. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to, it's really shaping what my doctoral work is going to be now. So I was looking at just the worship aspect of online worship, and now I think I'm looking more towards worship and how worship leads to forming community online. And so the idea is, you know, if we have another pandemic, God help us, you know, you're geared to help people engage online, but maybe more importantly, we're, we're living in a hybrid world already where people live both in the physical world and in the digital world. And, you know, I had a professor seminary who who always used to say the church is always the cutting edge of 30 years ago. I mean, we're always the last to latch on to, to trends. Well, if we've been living in a hybrid world for at least the last 15 years, I mean, isn't now the time that the church should really get into this notion of what it means to engage people online and help them grow in their faith? I mean, your reach can actually grow beyond just your local community um, when this happens. And that's the point. Like that is the point. Spread the word, spread his love. And um, yeah, think of it beyond your church walls. It's, it's inspiring, and it really has me hopeful for Trinity um, and our congregation and our members and the community that we're building. So um, this was a great read. Thanks for sharing it with me, Ben, and yeah. this conversation. But if you all have any questions or something kind of struck a chord for you and you want to talk about it, feel free to reach out to either of us on social media. Um, or just drop our emails even in the show notes too. I mean, you can you can reach out one on one, social it's media. Ben at Trinity eighteen forty eight dot org or Molly at Trinity eighteen forty eight dot org. But feel free to reach out and have a conversation with us. Um, these are ideas and thoughts are still bubbling and forming in our minds, but it's really yeah, this exciting. won't be the last podcast episode about stuff like this. We'll keep <laughs> yeah. we'll keep coming through as we as we process. We'll keep you know bringing you along in the journey. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate you spending your time with us here at Faith Revisited. Um, If you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be super awesome. Um, But until then, I hope you have a great week. See you next time.